Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. Due to the pandemic, we bring you one bad mother straight from our homes, including such interruptions as children, animal noises, and more. So let's all get a little closer while we have to be so far apart. And remember, we are doing a good job. This week on One Bad Mother, if you're handing out unfair standards for women, make mine a double. We talk to the directors of the new documentary, Surge, about women running for office. Plus, Biz discovers a gaping hole. Hey, lovely people. I am calling from a Target parking lot. Oh, I feel like a person. I feel like a self. This is my first time at Target since the world went to shit, and I am so excited. I'm so proud of myself for taking the time to be a self. I am complimenting my partner, who I have really helped out recently for, he has some really crazy stuff going on at work, and I really mommed up and took over a lot, so he told me I could do what I wanted this afternoon, and he's taking over uh, the parenting duties, so I am going to Target, and then I'm going to get a pumpkin spice latte because I'm that kind of person, (laughs) and I am so excited, and it's fall, and it's beautiful, and for this brief moment, I am going to try to forget that the world's on fire, quite literally. Love you all. Bye. Ah, know thyself. That's what I like about you. You, I like you're like, I am the person who gets the pumpkin spice latte. I will do it. Also, that is a good check-in. I I feel like we should have a special show in which I just try to compile all the calls from the Target parking lot, right? Like, <laughs> like this is, this might be the parenting version of a park nowadays. Just, I'm at Target. You just go in and you roam the Target. Maybe you get something that's on sale. Treat yourself to something a little fun. Maybe you start thinking nice things about your kids and decide you want to look at something to get them. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is you are completely by yourself. And that is so good. Of course, you've got me intrigued in something creepy going on at your partner's work. I'm like, ghosts? Is it ghosts? Is it zombies? What could possibly be creepy? And guys, I have lots of really, truly horrible ideas of what could be creepy, so I'm just not going to go there for the, you know, check-in. But I am glad you're at Target. I am glad you're having a chance for some self-care You're doing such a good job. Guys, it's time for me to tell you what a good job you're doing. Essential workers, I love you. I love you. I think you are doing such a good job. And I appreciate you, medical professionals, scientists, people working on vaccines, using science. Love you guys a lot. Teachers, uh, school administrators, school nurses, extra special shout out. You're probably getting dumped on all the time. You're amazing. I want to give a shout out again to librarians and libraries. Guys, don't forget to check your library for resources. They are working so hard to make sure people have internet access or computer access. We just signed up for some trivia that Katie Bell might actually be good at. It's like a kid's graphic novel, you know, the smile, the guts. If you've got kids who are 9, 10, or 11, you've read this book. And so they offer these sorts of events. If this You can check books out. Thank you, libraries and librarians, for what you're doing. People who are out driving buses, keeping public transportation running, keeping things clean, all of our waste management employees. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The list really goes on because, guys, this world works because of how essential everyone who participates in this world is. 
Okay. This is, it is nice that a moment like this allows us to shine a spotlight on that, but it is a spotlight that we need to leave on when this is long over. You're all doing a good job. I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing all right. I'm in one of those like, hey, everything's fine, which means we're headed for a crash. So that's a lot of fun. Let's all look forward to next week when I'm a big mess. But I want to talk about a gaping hole that has entered my life, and that is the loss of Ellis's front big tooth, upper tooth. Holy cow, that is a big hole. And I have forgotten since Katie Bell lost teeth how fucking adorable it is, guys. They want to have a like I just <laughs> I just want to make him do like a seashell, seashells down by the seashore, right? I want to, oh, I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. Okay, I, and it's so cute. And when he turns around, even when he's making one of his like faces, it's adorable because it's a big gaping hole. And here to talk to us about that big gaping hole is none other than Ellis. Hello. All right. Are you ready to do our interview? Yeah. Okay. Hold on. So wait, this wait. is something really crazy. What? I think we should put it on the podcast. Okay. What? So a couple days ago, so a fisherman found a two-headed shark. What? It was small. The fisherman did not know what to do, and it was crazy. <gasps> it's We're... so rare to find one. That is really rare. But I would like to ask you a question. You're missing something in your head. What is it? A tooth! It's a tooth! Ellis, tell me about losing the tooth and the whole thing with the tooth fairy. Okay. So when I lost a tooth, Papa called me out to put away my glass, and uh, I, and it just fell out into my hand. So at night, the tooth fairy did not come because we didn't leave a mask. <laughs> and then when we left a mask, she came in and took my tooth and left me a dollar. Yep. That was, you know, we forget. The mask thing is tricky during these times. Ellis, uh, in... When I usually do the opening of the show, one of the things that I do is I tell people how much I appreciate all their hard work, like people who still have to work outside of their home during COVID or teachers or librarians. Or is there anybody you want to say a big thank you to for making our life a little easier during this? Yeah. Okay. The postman. <gasps> what a good call. The postman is doing such a good job. Yeah. I want to thank you, postman, for delivering letters and whatever. And if you have to deliver the mail, I will, I will, I, and I will try helping. I will try doing things to do to make you have, to make you have help. Mm, very. This is Ellis. Thank you, Ellis. Say goodbye. No. no. Bye! <laughs> Ellis, I've got to get on to the interview. This is maybe the longest a child has been on the show. Can you say uh, goodbye? No. <sighs> on that note, I'm going to kick you out. <laughs> goodbye, Ellis. Good stuff. Okay, I'll leave. Bye. And I'll say goodbye. To only the postman. Okay, fine. Postman, only you will be saying <laughs> goodbye to me from me. Goodbye, postman. Yes. Wonderful job, Ellis. Thank you. That was wonderful. There you have it, folks. From the mouth of Ellis. That mouth in which there is a gaping hole. Which I think ties in very nicely. <laughs> to what we're going to talk about today. And that is about the new documentary Surge, which covers the historical number of women who ran for office in the 2018 midterms, helping to make that gaping hole 
in our representation even smaller. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. This week, we are talking to Wendy Sachs and Hannah Rosenschweig, directors and producers of the new documentary, Surge. So welcome, Wendy and Hannah. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you for joining us. I want to start by asking you guys what we always ask our guests, and that is, who lives in your house? Uh, Wendy, let's start with you. Um, so my 17-year-old daughter is currently upstairs with COVID. Oh, no. <laughs> what? Quarantining in her bedroom. She's on day seven. Oh, baby. And my 19-year-old son is in college in Boston um, wearing his mask, I hope, and <laughs> going for his COVID test every three days at college. Um, and my dog is here and my Yay. husband. Awesome. Oh, the COVID. <laughs> Hannah, who lives in your house? Well, I can't top a kid with COVID I for know. a parenting no podcast. Um, <laughs> I have an eight-year-old daughter and a husband and no we, no pets. So, so nothing else living. Maybe a, mm. a few plants, but that's it. Let's get in to... Surge. Surge, feature documentary about the record number of first-time female candidates who ran, won, and upended politics and what became the historic barrier-breaking 2018 midterm elections. But clearly the concept for this started before 2018. So I'm hoping you can take us back to where this began for for the two of you. Hannah, I'll start with you. Yeah. Well, back in early 2017, both of us were both of us participated in the women's marches. Obviously, we were not obviously, but I will share with you, we were both devastated by the results of the 2016 election. And Wendy was writing and articles about what was happening in the Women's March and why I was working as an organizer for the march and making media for them, doing video production. And afterwards, we were seeing that there were not only all the, you know, we had the marches, but that all these women were starting to run for office, hundreds of them all over the country in races, you know, small, like school board up all the way to congressional and senatorial races or house races and Senate races. And it was just the most amazing thing. And we thought it was a great story. And we got together originally with a third person who's now one of our executive producers, Tanya Salvaratnam. And the three of us said, this has got to be a movie. It is a really important story. So that that was the beginning. We had we we had a phone call first, the three of us. And then I think we we met in person and it just went from there and we have pushed it all the way up a bold, a boulder up a mountain (laughs) since it was, since it was then when it was released on September 8th and uh, we're still doing it. We're still getting, getting it out there. Wendy, what brought, what brought you into it? Well, like I think what, as Hannah was saying, you know, after the devastating results of the 2016 election, then there was this women's march, which was really empowering. And all of these women were activating. And then there were all of these stories that we saw everywhere on TV and magazines and newspapers, all of these stories bubbling up about thousands of women throwing their hats into the ring and saying, I've got to run for office. I need to do something more than march. I need to do something more than you know, just spout on Facebook about my rage and my anger. I need to do more than call my members of Congress. I'm going to run for office. And women who had never imagined that they would run for office ever before. These were all, you know, first time candidates. And I think that was what was so interesting to me and Hannah was to see the 
sheer numbers, the volume of women who were stepping up and young and, and of different backgrounds and different ethnicities and all different types of people who don't typically look like elected politicians. That was what was so just powerful. Do you mean old white men? Yeah, they, <laughs> they don't, don't look, look like, like that. Like, they right, like our that. ideal of you know who an elected official in America is, what an elected con- what, a, what a congressman looks like is right. a middle aged white guy, and instead yeah. we saw like women with like you know arm sleeves, like ink up and down their arms, tattoos, and breastfeeding on the on the trail, and you know young black women like Lauren Underwood, and she's a mm-hmm. nurse, like she, she's relatable, she's human, she's she's normal, she's representative of America. And those were the types of stories we wanted to capture and surge. We wanted to tell the stories of real women who were not on either one of the coasts, right? Yeah. But who were like part of like the heart of America, running in really deeply red districts and looking to flip their seats and running in uphill battles and like out there fighting the fight to save our democracy. It was a really compelling story. Yes. I think also like Wendy and I both have a background in politics. So I think the fact that seeing all these women running, it, w- it was so significant to us, having been in the political world and never in our lifetimes. Like, there was 1992 when a lot of women ran, but it was it was different. You know, there just weren't the numbers. And so I think that that added to this like incredible, that this interest for us that, you, you know, wow, this is amazing. This could like fundamentally shift our, our political landscape and it, and it did. You followed three congressional candidates in Texas, Indiana, and Illinois. And like you said, they were trying to flip it blue. I'm wondering, how did you wind up selecting who you followed? So, you know, and I I was sort of mentioning this before, we wanted to really represent America, right? So we wanted to show the diversity of the women who are running and in deep red districts. And we wanted to also represent women's different backgrounds and different experiences. And we wanted this diverse range of candidates. So we found Lauren Underwood, who is, you know, tremendous. She was in her early 30s, black, a millennial, a nurse. In Indiana, we were following Liz Watson, who is in her 40s, and she's a she's a labor attorney. And she also has two young children. So she was a mother of two young children. And then in Texas, we are following Gianna Lynn Sanchez, who's in her early 50s. Never imagined she would run for office before. Probably of all three, the least like polished, you know, the least buttoned up. She was very raw, which made her a great character to film. And ultimately, we're looking for women who are going to really sort of let us into their lives. They need to be able to pop on screen. I mean, it is casting. You're casting for a film. But we also want to make sure that we're following races that have a chance, right? So we wanted, you know, we, we came in very early and we were looking at numbers and polling data and speaking to some experts and hoping that our candidates would make it through their primaries. We were intentional in trying to choose women that who could make it through the primary and then hopefully make it to the general. But you just don't know. Yeah. Uh, but that, those elements were all really important to us. And again, we didn't want to follow women on the East Coast or the West Coast. We wanted to follow women in other parts of the country who were really representative of the surge and who were relatable. They were. They were very relatable. I found things that I liked about all three of these women, and they brought such, while they brought so many different things to their races, there was something that was absolutely shared by all of them. And it was this passion, this drive, this, you know, they are out there. All of them talk about the time commitment it takes, all the things they're learning on the ground, and just sort of their experiences with the establishment that is that is already there. The film obviously exposes the double standards that apply. One of my favorite lines from the whole film is by Patty Russo, who's the executive director of the campaign school at Yale, who says, you think you're going to be treated fairly. You're not. And I and it was like so true because I feel like 
women do have this tendency to assume the best sometimes when we're starting something new. And I don't mean just politics. I mean, any of the arenas that we enter, you know, you think, well, this is this is normal. Look around. Everything's clearly normal. And then you walk in and the first question they're asking you is about your kids. And do you have the time commitment for that? I mean, it was remarkable to also watch that. And I was glad that, that you touched on it. So I guess what I want to know is, as you were filming this, what was it like to have to be documenting that double standard and these experiences of these women going through it and not screaming at the top of your lungs all day? <laughs> you know, you know, that's such an interesting question because I think our experience for the most part of filming them were, you know, we were just floored by the hard work and the passion and, you know, just the commitment they were putting in every day. So it's kind of interesting, you know, mostly the, and I think you see that, that they're, they're just really hard, a group of yeah. really hardworking people <laughs> that that's most of their days were just spent dialing for dollars, go, yep. door knocking, having events, you know, speaking fun, you know, fundraising events and political events. And so there, there wasn't a lot of dwelling in, in, no. in those, you know, it was interesting because I think you, we could have, we could have followed politicians or candidates that were much more dwelling in, in that, in, in the negativity. I mean, you know, we did, Jana talked a lot about how hard it is. Um, but I think she wasn't talking about it necessarily in terms of, you know, I think I'll, I'll let Wendy talk about that. I think though, that what you're pointing to, what you're what you're touching on, was almost most pronounced with Liz's campaign, um, because and also because of who Liz is. She starts. She's such an idealistic person, and she started out, you know, thinking that she could potentially flip this super red district, and because she had all the right messages and really believed in it and was so passionate, so smart, she raised two million dollars. And I think what was really tough is that she started you know, especially in the last six months of her campaign coming up the whole money in politics, right? She was running against a millionaire. No matter what she did, he was still on the air so much more than she was. And he was bad mouthing her. He was, there's all that negative advertising. So there's only so much that you can do when you don't have the same sort of money to be on the air all the time. You know, you you have as she talks about it. She had to try to yeah. get be everywhere all at once. And she's a mom with young kids at home. And, you know, that's kind of where being a parent be very, very challenging. And then, you know, she. It turned out the polls were really tightening in the last few weeks of the campaign, and it just became super challenging for her, I think. I watched this with my 11 year old and what I liked that I could turn to her and say was that with all three of these women, even though they were slightly different in their reactions, the reactions always stayed sort of on point that they can only come after me with this, which has nothing to do with the issues. And I'm just going to stay on point. You know, the when they go low, we go high, right? right? Like, yeah. and I just... I loved that that was an image that she got to to see. She didn't see the dwelling. She saw the, the momentum, the moving forward. Mm -hmm. The documentary isn't just about the women who were running. It was about the women who were supporting them, which is very powerful. It's very apparent in the footage that you guys chose. And one of the overlying themes that sort of comes up is the question around 2018, the, is this the year of the woman, which is so, so dismissive. You got one year, ladies, that's it. Chop, chop. And also we've said this line before. We've said it 2016 and every time a woman gets, you know, excited about something. So, but the question was really, is it a... Is it a moment or is it a movement? I believe one of your guests spoke about, will it be more? So based on what you saw over making the time spent making the documentary and seeing all the different ways that women were getting involved, what was your takeaway on how you see 
that involvement shaping this current election? Wendy, I'll start with you. Yeah, no, that's such a great question because that was the pivotal question that we asked throughout the film. We asked every single person we interviewed. And early on, we wanted to say like, yeah, what is this? You know, is this going to be like another blip or is this for real? Is this a real transformational shift? And I think what I think 2020 is really proving that it is absolutely a movement. Um, and we know that by the numbers, the data actually points to all of that, which is good. It's, this isn't just my sort of hope and a prayer. Um, this is actually followed up by, by real data. And there are more women running in 2020 than ran in 2018. There are more women of color running, more black women, more Latino women, more Asian women. Also, there are more Republican women running this time. Republican women were told to sit out 2018, and they are no longer sitting out. So, you know, their their numbers are also, you know, moving moving the needle and growing the number of, of women who are running. The number of Black women running, though, is really tremendous, and I don't have the latest figures right now, but it's a very... It's, it's very powerful. It's really showing that what happened in 2018 has had a major impact and encouraged a lot of women to run because there's now a support system that didn't exist before. And that's what's critical because what's held women back are a few things. One is this idea that you need to be tapped to run for office, that mm. it's not your turn to run. That's sort of almost like should you even have the audacity to be running? Who are you to d decide that you're going to run for office? And that's been a big shift. And I think that when Hillary lost, but more importantly, when Donald Trump won and what we saw in the aftermath of what that looked like, women said, I need to do something and I'm going to step up. I'm going to run. And so the more times we're seeing women in all different types, shapes, sizes, colors from different parts of the country um, of all different backgrounds. Once they run for office, it's encouraging other women to do the same thing. The other thing that's that's happening is money, fundraising. Fundraising has been one of the biggest issues that holds women back. Women don't like to ask people for money. This is this is a truism. We yeah. just don't. And historically, we haven't had, this is going to, you know, date me, but that Rolodex, you know, that network to, to really tap into. And yeah. so as that's shifting, as more women are writing checks for female candidates, as there are like crowdfunding campaigns for women candidates, um, as organizations, more support groups, boot camp training for women. And there's a whole bunch. So Yale was one, Patty Russo from the Yale Campaign mm -hmm. School. But there are others, Emerge America, Higher Heights, Vote Run Lead. There's all these different organizations that are training women. It's also giving them a network. So they're not in it alone. So when we start like putting all of this together, fundraising, networks, support groups, training, and seeing a reflection of what you can be doing because you're seeing other successful women out there running and winning, it changes everything. After having followed them and your own experience in politics, that does lead to the question of, well, why should I? What does it take? What, is, what does it take for a person besides just the desire to do it to run? Hannah, any thoughts on that? I mean, did you see qualities? Did you see certain things? I mean, because, Wendy, you talk about the Rolodex. And when I think about flipping the Rolodex, that's back when I was like an executive assistant, right? Like, and that Rolodex wasn't my Rolodex. That was their Rolodex, right? Like even, and what's different now is that that's not the jobs that women really have to have, you know, now. And so what, what does it take if we've got listeners out there who are like, yeah, I want to run, why should they? I think that, you know, and what most of our experts will say is if you have a desire to run, you should do it and you can do it, right? You may not win your first time. Like we saw two of our, we, we followed three and, and two lost, but they, they actually, actually earlier this, this week, we did an event where we sort of re reframed loss. We came up with like, I lost, but I won because yeah. even if you lose, we show that you're there's there's many ways that you're that you're winning. You're changing your community for the better, or at least our women are. You know, but but many 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 women who run and lose are still creating making incredible 
uh, inroads in their communities and you know changing voters' minds and getting voters engaged and building an infrastructure for when they run again or for when the next person runs. So I, but a lot of experts will say if you have the desire to run, then you absolutely should just go ahead and do it. And there are all these organizations out there to help and support you. And that I think that, you know, we don't, because of also what Wendy was saying, we don't want to get into this thing anymore where women are second guessing, like, who, me? What, yeah. Why should I run? Why am I qualified? No. If you have the desire, you feel like you can make a difference, you feel like you're ready for the challenge of it, 100% go for it. And one of the one of the key things I think is not everyone should be running for Congress. You know, right. we followed <laughs> and, and I think that's a really important message for your listeners, because yeah. and, and in fact, Hannah and I have been doing a lot of events with the film that are actually focused on state and local races, because those are really, really important, arguably in many ways more important right now is to flipping state seats and getting women into legislatures because they actually write the districts and they really are controlling what's happening on your day-to-day at the city council level, you know, at your school board level. There are all these really, really important, meaningful positions that a lot of people don't even, women don't even know exist that often go unchallenged. People actually often don't even run. There might be one person who says, all right, I'll take that on, you know, and so there are so many important places where women could be could be leaders and grow and develop and evolve as leaders and then move on. Running for Congress makes for a great film. You know, right. it's it's a it's a more sort of um, exciting. You know, those races are more exciting to capture. So, which is why we weren't focusing on local school board races. They're just like not as fun. You don't have like big parties or as much. You know, sort of tension and up and down. Um, so it's not great storytelling, but it doesn't mean that those seats aren't important. So I would encourage all of the women who are listening out there who think, you know what? I don't like what's happening in my school district. You know what? You should run for office, run for school board, or I don't like what's happening in my town. You know what? Call the board of elections, see what the available seats are, see even what they are. Most people don't even know what they have locally. I certainly didn't. We actually don't yeah. even have like a mayor in my town. It's called like a town president. There's all sorts of like random positions where I live. Um, but people don't know. And I would say absolutely go for it. And that's where the confidence builds also. And that's where your network builds. So when you want to run for the next seat, you now actually have a network of people to tap into when you really need to raise some money. You don't need to raise very much running money when you're running for school board. But um, depending on, I guess, which school board you're running for. I ran for school board in my town. I will tell you that. I think I spent like $200 on my lawn signs. Um, I did not win. But it was a great lesson because I realized I needed to I needed to sort of campaign differently um, and build my platform differently. But it was a great experience. Well, okay. I, I was going to wrap up, but now I'm not because that's going to lead me to this double standard question. It takes me back to the double standard. Yeah. And I think that one of the ones that women face more than any is anger is bad. And I don't mean rage. I mean, anger. I mean, like, this is unfair. This shouldn't be happening, right? Well, <laughs> calm down, everybody. Or the... You have to be assertive, but at the same, but not aggressive, but at the same time, be approachable and smiling and not, you know, toxic or drama or whatever word we come up with this week to describe women in a negative way. And even with the current hearings, well, I guess the hearings are over now for Supreme Court, while... Amy Barrett is not my choice to be a Supreme Court judge. At the same time, I hated having to watch her answer questions about family, responsibility, and her ability to commit to it. And I also thought about her overall appearance and this quiet and the smile and this. And I just thought, we've got two members who have been accused of assault. And they don't have to smile. And I just, where are we with this double standard? Have we gotten past? No, we've not gotten past it. Are we getting any closer to getting past it? 
from what you've witnessed over the last four years? I think it's a really great question. And I'll jump in and then Hannah can answer too. I actually, I write a lot about this. I wrote a book called Fearless and Free. And one of my chapters is literally about this double bind that women in leadership face. And I kick it off, started talking about Hillary Clinton and all of the, you know, she's not smiley enough. She's not warm enough. She's not authentic enough. And then there was this great Jimmy Kimmel sketch where she was on and he was doing this, you know, funny thing. And she was standing up at a podium and she was giving a speech and she starts her stump speech. And he's like, no, 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 no. Um, you're, you're too shrill. You're too shrill. And then she started, she takes it down and she dials it back and she's like, no, no, dial, you're too quiet now. You're like whispering. Can you smile a little? So she starts smiling. She's smiling. He's like, you look like a Lakers girl up there. What are you doing? And then he's like, what is it? What is it? God, there's something, there's something about you. What is it? Oh, I know you're not a man. You're not a man. And that sort of encapsulated all of what you're talking about. Right. And and no, I don't think we're beyond it. I don't. I think what's what's happening, though, is the more women who are running and the more times we see women giving speeches and on air and debating, you know, when we had six women running for president and we saw them doing debates and we see Kamala Harris up there. The more that we see, the more that we hear women's voices and get used to the idea that they're higher pitched. You know, they're not men's voices. We just don't have those vocal cords. But no, we have a far way to go. I mean, so when I was running for school board and I was dealing with all these old white guys who did not like me very much, I definitely felt the sexism. I definitely felt the also what I was wearing, what I look like and all of that. So on a personal level, I felt that, but I think we still very much feel it and see it. And yeah, things are shifting. It's going to take time though. And it's going to take more and more and more women of all different races and all different voices and sounding differently and looking differently. And like Lauren Underwood with her natural hair, you know, that's what we need to see. So that then becomes what a leader looks like. Not all just like Primpton pearls and little kitten heels. Yeah, no, exactly. Everything Wendy said. I mean, I think I think that we're still dealing with it hardcore. Like it is, you know, I think about how, yes, Kamala did amazing in the VP debate, and yet she was called a monster by Trump the next day. And that and that was that was covered everywhere, right? Yeah. I think about AOC on the steps of Congress called the B word. Or you said we could curse, um, but I, yeah. don't, I don't even want to repeat it. Like but I, I don't, that is one of the few words I don't like using. Right. <laughs> that but, one never makes the show. Okay, good. <laughs> but the flip side of that and, and where and what will continue to change is exactly what AOC did. She, she was like, no, I'm not going to stay quiet about this. I'm not just going to take it and be like, oh, forget it. That's I, why I get Man. upset. Why? Right. Instead, she gave an incredible speech. Oh, yeah. And that went viral and every you know that got tons of press and was an incredibly important speech and will outlive you know probably her career I mean it was just a seminal speech right about the double standards exactly what you're talking about so I think that the we the more women that we have and the more different kinds of women and the more different voices we're hearing and the more that we see that they're pushing against these, you know, that when they're attacked, they're pushing, they're pushing back. They're not just being like, oh, forget it. That's just the guys, you know, is, is how we'll get there. But we're, no, we're, we're, we're not there yet. We're still, we're still knee deep in it. Neck deep. Neck neck deep. Yeah, (laughs) neck deep. Well, Wendy and Hannah, I have more questions, but I'm going to control myself. Thank you guys so much, not only for joining us uh, to talk about the documentary, but thank you for making it. Thank Thank you. you. Bye. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Deserted, a small business taking gifting up a notch or more like 30 notches with custom dessert boxes that change lives. Okay, you guys, these gift boxes are so wonderful. They have tasty desserts inside and they come with hand doodled cards that are totally personalized for the recipient. You can use them for any occasion. I mean, birthdays, anniversary, just because. Care packages are so nice right now. 
They also now have a dessert box subscription service. Yum. So literally desserts on your doorstep with a new super fun theme every month. October's theme is chocolate. Who doesn't like surprises? For 25% (laughs) off, go to deserted.co slash badmother. That's 20% off at D-E-S-S-E-R-T-E-D dot C-O slash bad mother. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time, Teresa. Teresa, you may not know this, but people are letting me know how nice it is to hear your voice. Oh, guys, that's really nice. It's it's nice to hear the sound of my own voice, too. I'm just kidding. Um, It's 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 very, very good for me to be here for this time right now. Um, So, yes, it's mutual. Yes, as it is for me. So let's not waste any more of your precious, precious sweet time. Okay. Genius me. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. Okay. My genius and my fail this week are all about Oscar, my six-year-old who's about to turn seven who's just been having like a really tough time recently. And I guess I'll get into, I'll get into that more during the fail. But <laughs> my genius was so he's still he doesn't know how to ride a two wheeler yet. None of my kids do yet. And it's it's all my fault. It's one of those things. It's all my fault. Yeah, but instead, my genius moment was that instead of dwelling on that and the fact that like the bike we originally like found for him or someone gave us like a while ago when it would have been like a normal time to start learning to ride a bike has just been like sitting in the garage and like has flat tires and is way too small for him and blah, blah, blah. But he asked me the other day, mom, I really want to learn and I really want to practice. And so rather than just going and crying or just like hating myself, (laughs) I said, (laughs) let's do it. And so we got the bike out, we dusted it off, we put some air in those tires, we adjusted the seat and the handlebars, which is really all you can do when you have a bike that's too small for you, and we practiced. And the story of this is not, he can now ride a bike, no, (laughs) this is, we're setting the bar low, guys, we're setting the bar very low, and that's why it's totally (laughs) achievable, and the the genius was doing this and doing it together and and putting in the practice time, which was good, and just enjoying that time with him. That is really genius. It's the saying yes when you really, really don't yes. want to say exactly. yes. yes. And just to shout out to low bars, they're a lot easier to get over on a bike. Yep. When they're very low. So true. You are doing a good job. Thank you. You're welcome. Guys, I would really like Katie Bell to still be eight. In fact, <laughs> I might not quite have accepted that she's 11. Really, I got it. She's 11, but she's really 12 because she's already in sixth grade and all her friends are 12. So she's 12. We're just gonna yeah. skip a year. She's near anyway, 12 year olds, so therefore yep. she's 12. She's 12. A lot of like wrestling with sort of trying. I just look, here's the thing because I want my fail is connected to this as well. So I'm just going to skip to the genius part. And that is she wanted a fairly dramatic haircut. And all of my responses inside where you have got wavy hair if you go short it's going to be you are going to be sad or you're you know like don't don't, we can't cut it you won't be you'll hate it you'll hate it right and 
Uh, I yelled and screamed. And then I thought about it and thought about how I looked for a majority of my life. <laughs> and I said, Katie Bell, you want me to cut your hair? I'll cut your hair. Oh. And we looked at pictures and I watched a lot of YouTube videos. Because, like, I mean, this wasn't yeah. like bowl. This was yeah. like really short on one side, mm. short up the back flipping it over to the side, like very mature, very everything. Stylish. Very stylish. Yeah. And I'm really proud of myself for not fucking it up. And I'm really proud of myself because I said yes. And she looks so good. And she you can see the difference in just how she moves through the house. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I thank um, you for summarizing. See, you've gotten really good at doing this segment without me because you just <laughs> summarized all your own genius moments within this you. genius moment. I don't even have to do it for you. So many gold stars. So amazing. <laughs> so awesome. Good job. Hello, One Bad Mother. This is Sarah, and I am calling with what I'm hoping is a genius. So Halloween is coming, and my two kids think Halloween is the greatest thing to ever happen to this planet. But COVID, and also I am having major abdominal surgery in a couple of weeks, so I probably won't be able to walk a neighborhood with them anyway. So I am asking friends, family, and neighbors to send me selfies of silly, ridiculous faces, and I'm just cutting out paper cutouts of houses to line our long hallway. So behind every door, a picture of somebody they know and a couple of pieces of candy for each kid. We're going to trick or treat through our whole house, every single wall. So they get to see their friends and family. They get their candy and I can lay on the couch the entire time. You guys are doing a great job and I'm hoping so am I. Bye. I'm literally tearing that, up right now. I am too. I it brings tears to my eyes. Yeah. How wonderful you are. Yes. You're wonderful. This is such a genius idea. Yeah. It's so good. And thank you for calling it in now yeah. so that we yes. can hear it and people can <laughs> use it cuz it's oh. so good. I know. Steal, steal, stealing your ideas. Yes. Oh, you are doing such a good job. And I really hope that the surgery goes well and that as you are reclining on your sofa while your kids trick or treat, that you have a secret stash of the good stuff, like the the good candy. Oh, yeah. Good candy. Love it. You are doing such a good job. Failures. Fail, 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 fail. You suck. Fail me, Teresa. Yeah, I can do that. Um, (laughs) So I alluded to this before. So this is relating to Oscar and him just having a hard time generally right now. I decided like a week ago to try and do something nice. Uh Uh-oh. So here we go. Obviously, (laughs) the nice thing I was trying to do for him was set him up with an archery lesson, like a real archery lesson, which I feel like is, I mean, really gold star parenting, like very proud of myself just for having that idea. And I would think if I were that kid getting to do that with like a real bow and arrow, that that would be like a dream come true. Sure. And he he seemed interested in the idea. He seemed like he liked the idea. Um, My stomach is starting to like, my stomach is starting to flip, Teresa. You're not going to be that surprised. So basically, the time slot that was available required me to move several things in order to be able to do it. I could have chosen not to do that. I could have said, okay, we're just not going to be able to do it this week. We'll wait another week. But I said, no, 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 I can do this. This is going to be worth it. I'm going to move this thing. I'm going to talk to this person. I'm going to make sure this person can do this and that person can do that. I moved three, three things. And two of the things that I moved ended up canceling on me that day. So it was all kind of pointless. Like all the back and forth had been 
really pointless. Like I could have mm. just done nothing because they yeah. were being canceled um, at the last minute. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then Oscar just didn't go. He just wouldn't mm-hmm. go. He just wouldn't go. And like, I'm not even going to get into all that because that's yeah. a whole long story. Um, and it doesn't mean he won't ever go do that. But like, it was like the two cancellations at the last minute. And then to top it off, no way. There's literally no way this kid is getting in the car. It's not happening. It is 100% not happening. So, yeah, I guess I felt really defeated. And I just, it was really hard not to just hate myself because I just feel like I had done all of that to myself for no reason. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) Thank you. It's the doing the nice thing and then the like kick in the gut when the kid has like zero, like doesn't even want to go or goes and hates the entire experience, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm really sorry. I would have imagined that at this point. You would have learned that doing nice things for your children uh, is a recipe for disaster. Right. So, you know, you're failing. I know. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. As I alluded to, I really am so surprised that we are here, guys, when it comes to Katie Bell, who is 11 and not 8. And we're just going to focus on me here because she's doing everything normal and right. I like when she asked for that haircut, you know, which is among a list of other sort of things that she's asked for. Like the things that came to my mind were like, you're not going to be pretty. It's not mm. gonna, you know, like all yeah. the stuff, uh, like especially the growing baggage. up in the South yeah. and like the things yeah. that, like I know my mom, but like, why would you yeah. wear that? Why would you wear something yeah. so baggy? Your figure yeah. is so nice. Yeah. Why would you cut all your hair off? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, it, I realized that that messaging, and luckily I did not say to her, you won't be pretty, but my <laughs> no definitely sent a message, right? Yeah. Like it sent a message that, I'm not ready to listen to your personal choices, right? right? And I I mean, obviously I came around because I remember my own mom, mama telling me, look, you're going to ask for stuff and tell me things and I am going to scream and I am going to yell and I am going to, you know, throw a fit. And you're just going to have to be patient because I will come back <laughs> when I've had a chance to calm down and think about it. <laughs> yeah. And I like... So while the one voice of my mom was in my head of the like, just stop wearing all black, baby girl. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Like with that came the other voice that I always, she always let me. Yeah. Cut all my hair off. Yeah. You know, she let me make those choices and mistakes. And like, so uh, how is this a fail? It's just that I, I wasn't ready and I realize I'm still not ready. And I realized that like my answers are gonna probably be no Mm -hmm. (laughs) initially yeah and then i'm gonna have to like spend all this time walking figuring it yeah walking it back and baggage and god you know control it is total yeah (sighs) yeah i i just yeah i I, i'm not gonna say the words that you suck but uh-huh, it, here, I just am not because I feel like it's not. I feel like you're doing a really good job, but that does suck. It does suck. Yeah. It's more of the fail of why is this still surprising? Yeah. Me? And yeah. why haven't I moved on yeah. with her? Yeah. Why can't I be ready for this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, Viz and Teresa, this is a fail. So my husband and toddler both really like airplanes. So we went to the store the other day and got a model airplane that my husband can fly. And we took it to the park today because it was a gorgeous day. And they were having such a good time. It was just so fun to see them both so happy and flying the airplane around, just having a great time. 
Then my husband handed me the controls, and I somehow managed to crash the brand-new airplane into a tree. (laughs) How I did that at, like, an open soccer field, I don't know. I I don't know, but I crashed it into a fucking tree. My toddler was devastated. My husband is now back at the park trying to climb the fucking tree to get the airplane down. And I just feel like such a failure. Thanks. Bye. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You failed. Yeah. This is very clear. Yeah. No beating around the bush here. From, you just from crashed take that off, plane. <laughs> from takeoff to landing, it yeah. was a direct course <laughs> for failures. <laughs> <laughs> well, stop trying to have fun, Mom. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Doing a horrible job. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you. I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Dipsy. When our routines are changed, it's easy to forget to check in with yourself. How are you feeling? Do you need a break? If you need to hit a pause and take a moment for yourself, Dipsy can help. Yes, it can. (laughs) Dipsy is an audio app of short, sexy stories and wellness sessions that are designed to turn you on and help you get in touch with yourself. Talk about a little (laughs) self-care. Mama needs some (laughs) self-care. The stories are relatable and immersive, you know, so you feel like you're right there. There's something for everyone, whoever and whatever you're into. And I, it is nice to have a little break like that. And they're they're short. So it's not like you're committed to a long relationship. <laughs> And for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash badmother. That's a 30-day free trial when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash badmother. Dipsystories.com slash badmother. Are you feeling elevated levels of anxiety? Do you quake uncontrollably, even thinking about watching cable news? Do you have disturbing nightmares, only to realize it's two in the afternoon and you're up? If you've experienced one or more of these symptoms, you may have FNO, news overload. Fortunately, there's treatment. Hi, I'm Dave Holmes, host of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters helps fight FNO. That's because Troubled Waters stimulates your joy zone. On Troubled Waters, two comedians will battle one another for pop culture supremacy. So join me, Dave Holmes, for two, two, two doses of Troubled Waters a month. The cure for your news overload. Available on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Schmanners. Noun. Definition. Rules of etiquette designed not to judge others, but rather to guide ourselves through everyday social situations. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. Every week on Schmanners, we take a look at a topic that has to do with society or manners. We talk about the history of it. We take a look at how it applies to everyday life. And we take some of your questions. And sometimes we do a biography about a really cool person that had an impact on how we view etiquette. So join us every Friday and listen to Schmanners on MaximumFun.org or wherever podcasts are found. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? Guys, it's time. That special, special favorite time of One Bad Mother. And that's when we get to listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hi, this is one of those screen calls. Are you guys still doing those? Or are you just fucking yell? Because I have three very young children and I'm just at the end of my rope. Uh, They're in the car. We're about to go somewhere. But I just had to, like, take a minute to come inside and 
fucking yell. My four-year-old is like mad at the world, which means that he's mad at me because he just directs it all at me. My three-year-old woke up from nap, like just in a garbage mood, just as screaming and yelling and fighting and crying. And I, I don't know what's going on. And my one-year-old wants boobs like all the time. She doesn't want to be in the car. She wants boobs. So they're all in the car. The only configuration that will work with three car seats in our car is the three and the four-year-old sitting next to each other. That's going to be a fucking shit show. They're going to fight the entire way to pick up what we need to pick up and the entire way home because they're not going to get out of the car because he can't because COVID. So it's just going to be like 40 minutes of screaming. So this is my chance to scream. Fuck this. Thank you. Yes. You know what? When I woo, that's actually what the woo is supposed to sound like. Right. (laughs) Yes, we are still taking screams. Yes, you may call and yell into the void. Yes, yes, yes. That is what good job. Yes. You're God, you're doing such a great job. Yeah, you are. You live in a house of tough timeness right now right like i'd like to say you live in some sort of weird like everybody's foreign under hellscape in the middle of a pandemic where there is no peace there is no break everybody's yelling all the time and you have to regulate all of their emotions but instead i decided to say something else (laughs) oh my god it's really true i yes you're yeah what you're doing right now is probably technically impossible so Whatever you're doing, that's okay. And you're doing a good job. And call and scream. Call and yeah. scream. Just screaming, screaming, screaming. I, I just need to share. This just reminds me of <laughs> me mentioning to my mom at some point that I had been crying. And her response was just, and this is my mom. She's been on the show. She's a yeah. therapist. She her response was just yeah, go ahead, go ahead and cry, like she was just like yeah yeah mm-hmm. I That's think really it's... all you can do sometimes. Yeah, like <laughs> I think it's weirder if you're not crying by this stage of the pandemic, right? If you haven't <laughs> just been crying or screaming, let me just say then it is okay to do so. Yes, <laughs> if you're it waiting for somebody. Okay. Yeah. To tell you it's okay yes. or to tell you that no one will think less of you yeah. for crying or screaming. Let us be the ones to tell you that. Yes. And that you're not alone, that we're oh. doing it too. Yeah. We're all crying. We're all screaming. You are doing a good job. And Teresa, you are also doing a good job. I just speaking of weekly surprises, just that. You're here, and I know you might not all you might disappear on me, but for now, I'm trying not to. I'm just gonna cling to you. I would not move this for an archery lesson. Oh, let me assure you. But if you had to, I would rearrange the entire world for you, (laughs) Teresa. You're doing a really good job. Thank you, Biz. So are you. Thank you, and I will talk to you next week. Bye. Oh, guys, this was a show, wasn't it? As always, it was so nice to see Teresa. And as always, it is so nice to talk to very smart, talented people. I thought that Surge uh, was such a great documentary in showing the impact and the effects of the 2016 election. And while There are so many things about the last four years that uh, make smoke just come out of my ears. But it is nice to focus on this positive. The number of women, the number of women of color, different ages, different backgrounds. And, you know, I'll take it different parties. Let's just fill it up. (laughs) Fill it up with the ladies, you know, as well as. We had our first trans 
representative. We have had so many people that are part of the LGBTQ community also running and also succeeding. And I just, I agree. Run, 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 run. You don't have to run to win. Just run to change the picture. And guys, look, I'm tired of learning today. That's all I want to take away from today, with the exception of acknowledging what a good job you are all doing. It is really seven months into it, and it's different for everybody, depending on where you live, depending on kids in your house, depending on work, depending on finances, depending on... It's really frustrating how little has changed. And it's okay to feel kind of crazy. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to step into the bathroom and scream as loud as you want to. It is okay to feel angry. It is okay to feel like you are bonding better with your 15-year-old than you ever have in your life. That is okay too. It is okay if you actually have used some of this time to learn a new skill. Guys, Soon you will see a banjo video. Um, You're all doing such a good job. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Hannah Smith, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blues. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blues. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.